listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys Show on WRSC with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor D. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the intro said, you're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. In front of me, I got Sackman Alex Sackley. And to my left, the return of the king, Senor Diaz, Josh Diaz. He's back! It's her! <laughs> Welcome back, Josh. We're glad to have you back, buddy. I'm glad to be back. As always, folks, we're going to start so today cool. with our food battle. Um, after that, we're going to go into talking about the Chicago Bears performance this past Sunday, or lack thereof of a performance. After that, we're going to go into talking about one surprising and one disappointing player in each of the NFC teams. So stay tuned for all of that for the rest of the episode. To start off, let's get through with this food battle. We got our wheel right over here. We got a bunch of names on it again this week. And spinning now, JP, good luck every week, buddy. Let's see. JP! Oh my god. The rise of the king, dude. We got two points in one episode. He did it. He called it. He said he wasn't going to do it. Oh my god. First time in 100 tries. Congratulations, JP. You finally did it, buddy. About time. All right, About folks, time. let's get right into this food battle. Took him forever. Last week, we decided that the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets were going to be our teams of the week. Because of that, we're doing a pizza battle. We got some Detroit deep dish from the legendary, the classic, one of the best fast food pizza places, in my opinion, Little Caesars. <clears throat> pizza, pizza. And then we got some New York slices from Bocce, which is another place around here, another chain place, but giant New York slices. These giant. pieces are bigger than Josh's head. Bigger than a baby. This is a fact. <laughs> So we're going to get right into it. Uh, Sackley and Josh, you guys want to taste that deep yep. dish first. As always, we uh, rate these uh, uh, meals on three different things. First is off the appearance, how they look out of the box. Second is on that taste. And then third is how they taste compared to their price. Rate it on all of that. Josh, what would you give this for appearance? So we're doing it out of 10 or out of 3? Out of 10. Out of 10? <laughs> all right. So taste, I give it a... I give it a... <laughs> Do a an eight five just because it's a little cold, you know. We had to go pick up the other stuff, and that's why. But I give it an eight five. Warm, maybe I give it a nine, you know. But I give it an eight five out of out of that. I give it an eight point seven. I like how the bread is nice and soft and like thick. There's a good amount of sauce. I like their sauce. Mm-hmm. I see we're getting uh, very in depth with the ratings now. We're becoming pros. Yeah. Exactly, put in a point seven in there. Yeah. Um. I love Little Caesars. It's like my favorite fast food pizza place. I'm not a huge fan of like Domino's anymore or any places like that. Like Pizza Hut's always been kind of eh to me. This is delicious. I love Little Caesars. Even cold, I could eat it 10 days old and I think it'd still be good. Oh, yeah. The crust is super flaky. I don't know what they do to it. It kind of looks like a wonton, like the crab rangoons almost. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's in the pan, so it just crusts over, which mm. makes it really good. And it, even even cold, it's still crunchy and it's so good. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10, man. I love Little Caesars. Josh, what would you give it on appearance? On appearance, I give it a 9, too. Uh, I would. I am a big, uh, you know, protein guy, meat connoisseur. Pause. Uh, so I would like more okay, sausage on it. Pause. Pause. He likes meat. So, you like a lot of sausage on Josh? Pause. You like um, the wieners. So, yeah, I would like a little bit more on it, but overall, 9, too. Exactly what are you giving? 
he finished his piece. <laughs> he <doesn't laughs> really have anything to look at. Give it an eight point nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's not like the most appealing pizza I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it tastes great, but like the actual look of it kind of just looks like it came out of a freezer, which is probably what happened. But you know, it's the best freezer pizza on earth, Thanks. man. Those Caesars taste delicious when there isn't someone in here saying that it's bad. <laughs> um, and then finally, the cost effectiveness of this, you get two little uh, deep dish pizzas for $12. What would you rate that? 10. Especially in this economy. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Yeah. 10 out of 10 on that. Let's head on over to the bocce pizza slices. Again, like I said, these are gigantic. Me and Josh got sausage. Sackley got pepperoni. You go first, I'm finishing this. Oh, yeah. It is sticking to the cardboard here. It's a little greasy. Classic way to eat the New York pizza slice. Fold it from the back. Flip the tip up. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. First thoughts. How's the taste? A good amount of spices on there. So, for me, I'd give it a six. Right? Because I like bocce's, but it's not my go-to. Little mm -hmm. Caesars would be my go-to, you know? But not for, like, my main, you know, source. But I would still choose Little Caesars over this. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, i give it a six on taste. I have low standards. I'll give it an 8.5. <laughs> I thought it was good. I mean, pepperoni was nice. It was a good size. It was flavorful. Good amount of cheese. Not a lot of sauce, but it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with both of you guys. I think for what we got on this, like, it's not the highest quality pizza pizza, but it's still pretty good. It's a gigantic piece. I would probably put it, like, right in between you guys. I'd give it, like, a 7.5 on taste. Again, it's pretty good. Um... How would you give it on appearance? Appearance is ten. Um, it has it has enough sausage on it. It's covered. Um, I'm not too happy about the grease. You know, it does have a lot of grease on it, but appearance overall ten. Exactly. Yeah, it looks like a slice. <laughs> like looks like you're in New York, talking about the Yankees. And this looks like a nice slice you got in the street from a nice Italian man. <laughs> yeah, this is a man slice. Again, like we said, it's as big as a baby, as big as our heads. Um, just like off the appearance, the cheese is a little, you know, shiny looking, which isn't always a great sign to me. Um, but overall, it looks crispy. It looks well cooked. I think it looks pretty good. I'd give it like an 8 out of 10 on appearance. Definitely seen some prettier slices in my day, but, you know, each of their own. I can see why people would give this a higher score. Uh Overall, the pr pieces cost about $9 a piece. Exactly what would you give that on the cost effectiveness? Give it like a, like a 7. A little pricey. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it I'll give it a a 7, yeah. I mean, I can understand why. It's a big slice, you know, but it's like, still kind of pricey. If we weren't uh three chubby former football players, this piece of pizza would probably feed one person. Like, most people, like, one meal, like, yeah. one piece. Oh, yeah. Um, for us, you know, I think we can eat a little bit yeah, more. That, so That might put my grandpa in the hospital. That's a, that's a big slice. <laughs> Not Papa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think overall, for that, 
like because I think one slice could feed one person. It's not like the worst price, but the quality of the pizza doesn't really also match the price. I'd give it like a six on the cost. So, for you guys' final ratings, who are you going with in this food battle? Little Caesars. Little Caesars. I think it's going to be a Little Caesars clean sweep over here. You know, I think people, they talk down on Little Caesars, but it's better than a lot of fast food pizza places, as we've proved today. Better than a lot of fast food places, period. (laughs) Shout out to JP for finally winning a food battle. We love you, buddy. Congratulations. I'll get you your $20 when we get back home. Um, But let's move on. Next week, we are going to have a food battle between Florida teams. We got Jacksonville going up against Miami. For that, we're going to have two classic Miami dishes here. We're going to do key lime pie against a classic Cuban sandwich, a little sweet, salty, Mm. get a nice dinner versus dessert matchup, something we haven't had this season yet. So I'm super excited for that. Next up, let's get into the Chicago Bears game from this weekend. A very sad performance. I wasn't really mad anymore. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. That game sucked. I mean, let's set the table. Let's set the scene, right? They're coming off a very good win on the road Thursday night, right? They get Kyler Gordon back, Jalen Johnson back, Eddie Johnson, uh, Eddie Jackson back, Tim Jenkins is fully healthy. Vikings don't have their best player. We look good. And then, I guess Luke Getze, I mean, I guess he just didn't think for 10 days. Or ever. Or ever. <laughs> for real. I mean, we know they have Brian Flores. They blitz more than anyone else in the league. And we do probably come off the worst game plan I've ever seen to go against a team that blitzes a lot. Even on that first play, five wide, and it's all long-developing pass routes. From that second, I knew it was going to be a bad game. And it was. Josh, what were your thoughts on this game? You know... Coming into this week, I thought that we were going to see the, the start of something new, right? Obviously, it's an on-off type of thing with the Chicago Bears, regardless of the record, right? It's an on-off thing, right? We beat the Commanders at their home, right? And it was a good win, you know? <clears throat> Justin Fields looked good. DJ Moore looked good. The line looked good, you know? We had an injury bug with the running backs, but, you know... We were dealing. Foreman played well. But coming into this week, you know, it just seemed like we took our foot off the gas, obviously, and Getsy took a step back in brain cell usage and is, like, fighting everything to make sure the last one stays alive because, you know, I'm watching the Vikings' first drive, right, and, it, yeah, the defense is – it's starting to look really good, right? Not really – okay, I don't want to say really good. It's it starting, much better. Yeah, it's much better. starting to mesh, right, what we want to see. And then the offense comes out. Why, all of a sudden, do we have to have a flashback of um, Matt Nagy with running conservative plays on third and eight? Like it's it's like Luke Getzey texted him and he'd be like, "What would you do right now? Let me know. I need to know. Are we gonna run the ball?" And then like he just goes with that. Like I feel like he's just going off of like gut feelings of what would work instead of actually looking at what he has in front of him 
what the downs is and stuff and the yardage that we need to get it, it just it makes no sense you know i feel like we took a huge step back yeah from I last mean, week getsy has never been good at determining when to run the ball third and six third and five especially in the second half of games he gets ultra conservative just runs inside zone on those third and longs then when there was the one in the second half third and two and we decide not to run the ball throw it and we get sacked so getsy has never been good at that I mean, I'm really disappointed in the offensive line. They, Flores was just playing games with them. They had no clue who was coming, who was dropping back the whole game. That Josh Metellus, that linebacker from Michigan, he had like eight quarterback hits. DJ Vonham, the first play, absolutely just smacks Justin Fields. You know, Hunter was, you know, welcoming Darnell, uh, Darnell Wright into the league. It, up front, that was bad. I mean... This game fairly supplanted my idea of us not having a center because mm-hmm. both White here and Patrick couldn't even snap the ball. I mean, if Field has to like jump and like extend his arm all the way up just to catch the snap, it's not going to be good. And they had no clue the whole game. Shout out Brian Flores, great game plan, great play calling. They had no clue who was coming, who was going, where where the pressure was coming from the entire game. That was rough. Like it looked like there was like twenty Minnesota Vikings out there. He did a great job. The run game was fine. I have no issues with the run game. We had 162 yards, average four and a half yards to carry. That was fine. We've always had that. The pass protection, I mean, we lost five sacks, like 10 QB hits, a strip sack, and went for a touchdown. It basically cost us the game because defense only allowed 12 points because on the Vikings' only offensive touchdown, they missed the extra point. So say that play doesn't happen, 13-12 Bears. It was That game was strictly on the offensive line. And the play calling, that was bad. I thought receivers, when they get opportunities, they did well. Moore had 51 yards on five catches. Darnell Mooney had that big catch. Tyler Scott had a couple opportunities. Even Valus caught his one target. Surprising. And then we, we forgot about Cole Komet. We didn't throw it to him. We only threw it to Tanyan once. Yeah. But that was bad. That was, Luke Getzey, that was a terrible game plan. He... As we said before, he does not know when to run the ball. It's kind of weird, and it really kind of angers me. But it's, It seems like he doesn't know when to do anything. <coughs> when you watch what happened against that game in Washington and what the Bears' offense is capable of, and to see him single-handedly destroy that is heartbreaking as a fan. This mm-hmm. team has so much potential, and you saw it when they put up 40 points two weeks ago. DJ Moore can do anything if you just put the ball in his hands. That man could be one of the best receivers in the league based on that performance against Washington. I firmly believe it. Mm -hmm. And they just don't throw him the ball. Yes, he has eight targets this game, but they weren't like real targets. And half of them were screen passes. Exactly. They're not real targets. No. What do you you expect him to do? And there's people complaining that he's not doing enough. What do you expect him to do? They literally didn't throw him the ball until late second quarter. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. It was like the opposite of what they were doing in those first couple games where they would throw it to him five times and then not throw it to him at all. I don't know what flip switched and gets his head, but he just... Where's the zone read? We still haven't seen it this year. The plan was to run fields a little bit more because we didn't have the running backs. We ran it with him in the first couple plays. But where was that? If we're going to use him, let's use him on that. He's fantastic at that. You got, you know, Daniel Hunter and Marcus Davenport, two guys that like to defend the pass more than they like to defend the run. Didn't ruin that. We didn't get the ball to DJ Moore or Mooney or Komet. 
we were going so slow in the second half when we had Bajit in. We were like, okay, if we need to speed it up here. If we don't score here, we have to, like, we'll be, we'll be screwed. Won't be enough time. And that's what happened. And and we talked about this, like, during the game. We were texting each other, and I was like, I understand you need to help out a rookie D2 quarterback, their FCS quarterback, a guy that doesn't shouldn't be in this game right now, basically. You have to help him out. I get it. But you can't do that. You can't slow down the entire game and basically admit that you're going to lose that game. That's what if they we did. didn't score in that drive, that we were not winning that game. They were lying down and dying because Justin Fields wasn't in that game. You can't do that. You have to give the kid a shot. And when, when he they did, he played well. When he took the ball into his own hands and basically said, screw it, I'm going to give myself the shot, it worked out. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened against Washington with Justin Fields and DJ Moore. I think they said, screw it, we're going to put it in our own hands, and Justin Fields just kept throwing it to DJ Moore, and it worked out. And then when Getsy takes more reign of the offense again, it goes back to being garbage. I don't understand how much longer you can have this guy going. It can't, it can't be much longer because, I mean, obviously we, we were talking about it before the show. Like, you know, Poles' job is on the line. Everyone's job is on the line right now. Everyone's. And it just it stinks because polls polls can accomplish things when it comes to you know trades picks whatever because we've seen it before right when when he was with Kansas that wasn't him calling the shots well yeah but still like he he played a part in it he you did. know yeah, yeah no, 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 so, no doubt no doubt so the the influence is what matters you know what I'm saying but it, it gets to a point where it's gonna be week seven already right. The, they, there has to be a point in his mind right now or tomorrow to really, like, consider, like, what he has in front of him. Because I understand, you're not going to fire Iberflus and find a head coach midseason. You're not. Because it's never been done before. Right? And then I'd rather have you fire Getsy and have the quarterbacks coach or someone else or have Fields call the play himself. I don't know. But this Getsy thing cannot go on any longer. Cause at this point, it's not about, oh, do it for the fans, blah, 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 whatever. Win a game. Yeah, we won against the commanders, but that's probably because Justin Fields and DJ Moore were changing calls and like making their own things up and actually connecting and syncing up, right? Because they, when they probably heard the play, and they were like, oh, Jesus Lord, Getsy again with this, you know? So, like, I think right now they just need to, like, they need to get rid of this guy. Like, it's kind of like a, I don't want to take it too far like this, but I feel like it's like a Claypool situation. I feel like if we can get Getsy out and put someone else in. Andrew Jenico, that's the guy that Kirk Cousins said, oh, he, he took my career to the next level, the quarterback coach. I think, yeah. there's, I think there's a shot he was helping call, uh, call plays on that Washington No game. doubt. Because I don't think it was Getsy calling plays, no. if I'm being honest. The way that game went, and I think it was the quarterback's coach. I think it was Matt Eberflus giving him a shot is what happened. And that's my theory. There's nothing that proves that. There's nothing that says yeah. Getsy wasn't calling the plays. But that's my theory. I think Eberflus, because they had nothing to lose. Yeah. If they didn't win that game, they would have gotten fired. Mm-hmm. Oh, Looking yeah. back at it, I kind of wish they lost the game. Because I don't feel like dealing with another exactly. 12 weeks of these two guys. Well, oh, definitely, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys about next. This upcoming week against the Raiders. The Raiders are a little bit of a dumpster fire as well. Um, the Bears are, according to ESPN analytics, I don't know what analytics they use, but they have a 55% chance of winning this game. Well, that's because only because Jimmy Garoppolo's out. 
That's yeah, the only reason I didn't even why know if he was in there. I don't. Think. No, honestly, I think that's the only reason why mm-hmm. it's so high. Um, if the Bears lose this game against the Raiders, does everybody get fired? I think you keep certain parts, but your head coach is gone and your offensive coordinator is gone. And I say honestly, I there's nothing to prove it, but I like your theory. I honestly think that quarterbacks coach had almost everything to do with why we won on that Thursday. It makes sense. It makes complete sense. Well, but like like we both said, there's nothing to prove that. But I think you keep that guy because, like you said, hypothetically, Iberflus gave him a chance and he proved it. So. Well, the thing is, we're not going to have fields for this game. Mm-hmm. So far, the report says, best case scenario, he misses two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, they haven't even said if there's any surgery or anything right yeah, now. Sir, if so. he gets surgery, he's out, like, four to six. Yeah, but honestly, like, I, I'm going to ride with Bajan. He, he's a good quarterback. I yeah, like yeah, he's not. Obviously, he hasn't had the reps and whatever. Whatever, right? If he could bring that confidence he had in preseason – I don't care. As long as he plays with that confidence he brought in preseason, I'm not saying, oh, he's our guy. Screw Justin. But no. But, like, let him play. Let him have – let him build up his confidence. Let him get hit. And then just, like – you know, because, like, sometimes that's all it takes for some of these football players, right? They get hit once real nice, and then they're like, all right, let's ride, you know? So, like, I feel like this kid just, you know, let him go through it and just take that one hit, you know? Obviously not on a missed block or whatever, but that just happens regardless. But, like, let this kid really go at it and just let loose. You know, because honestly, right now, we have nothing to lose. We really don't. And, I mean, like you said, against the Raiders, another dumpster fire team. Why not? Why not? Let the reins off. Yeah. I mean, good thing about Bajan is he gets the ball out of his hands a lot faster than Fields does. That was pretty evident in that game. He has a quick release. He's 6'3". He's about 220 pounds. He's a big guy. He's got some athleticism, as we saw in the preseason. Yeah, he move, He likes to move in the pocket a lot. Uh, I mean, in a scary kind of way, he looked a lot better than Fields did as a rookie, so that's kind of weird. I mean, this would be the most Chicago Bears way to find your franchise quarterback <laughs> after you've ruined your first-round draft pick that you traded up for, got him hurt, and then your undrafted free agent from Division Two steps up and becomes great. That would be the most Chicago Bears thing I've ever seen. And what, he's the 29th quarterback in He will be Bears 29th season? since, I believe, 2000. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm he's going against I'm the Raiders. <laughs> I look at that Raiders defense. The only guy I see is Max Crosby. Max Crosby, yeah. Max Crosby's going to baptize Darnell Wright. He terrifies me, dude. He is. <laughs> he's going to baptize both we, our tackles. We, we might see Trace McSorley get in this game with yes. the Bears just signed today. So. Other than that, they got... Okay, they got two Bears cast-offs to D-tackle. Blah Nichols, John Jenkins, so they'll be fired up. Travis, uh, no, not Travis. Tyree Wilson really isn't playing at D-end. They're missing Chandler Jones. His shame his brain is now made out of marshmallows. And then their secondary, okay, they got that Meek Robinson who's making plays, Robertson. Trayvon Mooring, Divine Diablo at linebacker, and Robert Spillane. It's not a, it's a group that's played well the last few weeks, but they're not that special. Especially up front, other than Crosby, of course. Yeah, that's but. really the only guy. Marcus Peters, maybe, because he might like he, he might, might jump around. Yeah, he might jump around or lock up. But yeah. like him and then Max Crosby, I'm terrified of Max Crosby. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. That dude, that dude is a motor. I, I, it's like he's like a wind up. That guy's a five year recovering addict and is proving everyone wrong. 
and he has probably the biggest chip on his shoulder because all, what does that guy want to do? All he wants to do is win. That's all he wants to do. That's why he plays so hard. He is fantastic. And that, it's, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But you love to see it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's fantastic. But look at this Raiders team. Offensively, they have no offensive line. They have a good rookie tight end. There's now finally starting to use Michael Mayer. Yeah, last week they finally got him. About time. They got Devontae Adams, the old bear killer. Uh, Jacoby Myers. They don't use they don't use Hunter Renfro anymore. I don't know why, but their offensive line is terrible, as you can see in Josh Jacobs' numbers this year. Not good. With I believe they'll have Brian Hoyer, who is the yes. who's tied for in Bears franchise history for most 300-yard passing games in one season with three. He's tied with Cutler and Trubisky. Somehow, some way, he only started. So he only started like four or five games for us in 2016. Say, he only played like a couple before, games before he, he got broke hurt. his like hand or arm, whatever it was, against the Packers on Thursday night. That's when we put in the wonderful Matt Barkley. Yeah, I'm surprised Matt Barkley isn't on that list for 300 touchdowns. So, we got that. They could go Aiden O'Connell, but I think they wanted to try that against the Chargers, and did not. It looked okay. Well, not great. Then again, like you said, their O line's bad. Yeah, so like Mac, that, Mac, Mac had Mac success. Had, yeah, he tied his old record. And then, I mean, this is a very we're at home, so they have a long flight. That's always a statistic that people like to throw around. And you gotta go. Yeah, the jet lag, cross country flights, la di da. This is a game we, we should. The analytics say we should win. We should win this game. I mean, we we'll, we we'll look at our coach. If we, if we do fire Eberflus and Getze, I would assume Janoko becomes the offensive coordinator. For head coach, uh, well, Alan Williams was the associate head coach. <laughs> He's gone. Wah, wah. So I'm guessing Travis <laughs> Smith becomes our defensive play caller. And then maybe I, I feel like our special teams coach would become our head coach for whatever reason. <laughs> After they bring in Rich Brasaccio. Richard, no, he's like, never mind. He's only 43. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you, they usually just give it to like, some old guy. Mm-hmm. Off the, the old, street of guy. Chicago. But all the, all the uh, guys on their offensive staff are young guys. I don't even know. John Hoke, I think he's been around for like forever. I've always remembered John Hoke. Yeah. He played for the Bears in 1980. So Perfect. He was Perfect with, the, he was with the Bears from 2009 to 2014. And he's our passing coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Okay, so I guess offense and defense. So I would have to guess they'd probably give it to John Hoke. But that's what we're looking down is Chicago McCaskey's Bears gonna, The McCaskies are going to come down and be a head coach. <laughs> Resurrect Papa Bear out of his grave. <laughs> I mean, it's Halloween. I guess anything could happen. <laughs> but yeah, this is a game they should win. We're more talented than the Raiders, other than at receiver and defensive end. Other than that, we're more talented than across the board. This is a game they should win. Do you think they will win? No. I'm debating missing this game and going to a pumpkin patch with my girlfriend. That's how low I am on the Bears right now. That's a wild thing for Sackler to say, by the way. Yeah. Kareem, it, he loves you very much, but Bears football is, is legendary. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. And the only thing I'm worried about is that even though the Raiders' O-line is bad, um, I feel like we're going to make them look like an all-pro offensive line. Because Justin Jones and Andrew Billings can't do anything. I'm gaining a little bit of confidence in them, though. <sighs> I don't know, they, man. I mean, they shut. It was the yeah, it was the Vikings, but they shut down the run. Twenty-two for forty-six. I'll take that. I mean, the linebackers are starting to play like they're supposed to. Demarcus Walker had another half a sack. Pickens is starting to look better, seeing some signs of life from him. 
Justin Jones, for as much as we hate him, seven tackles, two TFLs, two quarterback hits. That's a good game. It's a, tied for one of the best pass rushers on our team statistically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, if if he could do that again and Billings can actually hit the gap and actually get separation, I feel like we'll be okay in stopping Josh Jacobs. I think we'll be fine. I mean, they've they've struggled against worse run defenses, so Yeah. I mean, we should win this game, but it's the Bears we're talking about. Yep. I mean, it in best case scenario, we have like a quarterback controversy after this game after Bajan throws for like five touchdowns, but <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think Bajan will play well to start the game. I think then eventually we'll see undrafted rookie out of D2 stuff from him. I'm not, I'm not, I like him. I think he can be a good player, good backup, but I'm not jumping on the train right now like a lot of these delusional Twitter Bears fans want to do. I mean, this know? whole situation just kind of reminds me of like Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. Like yeah. It's just kind of like a fun guy that comes in to step in for a team that just needs something to yeah. get the team going. That does it just enough for us to win. Exactly. Maybe. Hopefully. Probably not. Probably but not. <laughs> Do we get Roshan back this week or no? I would assume so. Yeah. Because I know Khalil Herbert's still going still gonna to be out for at least another two three games. I think we do get Braxton Jones back this week. be nice. Even though we'll, we'll... Finally? I thought he came back this week. No, we were born. Oh, my God. No wonder. Speaking of Larry Borum, let's hop right into our next segment, talking about every NFC's most surprising and most disappointing players. Let's start off talking about the Chicago Bears while we're already here. One of our most surprising players for the Chicago Bears was Larry Borum. Exactly, why did you think Larry Borum was so surprising? Uh, well, I, he never really played left tackle before, and I know PFF doesn't really like him, but through four games at left tackle, I mean, I haven't at any point been mad at him. Uh, I don't remember him getting called for any penalties. And he looked better than Braxton Jones, sadly. So we're going with him. I've always been a big Larry Borum fan for whatever reason. I always liked him. I thought he was going to be a good player. So I'm going to go with him. And basically no one else on this team has really impressed me at all this year other than DJ Moore in fields for about three quarters this year. So that's who I'm going to go with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I've always been a huge fan of Larry Borum. And I thought... Coming out of that draft class, I was like, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum are the future of this offensive line. Yeah. And then Larry Borum spent a couple of years where he just couldn't really find a role on that offensive yeah, line. He would right have moments. tackle, guard, was he going to be, left tackle. Mm-hmm. And then, like, every game that he would get moved around, he would play well for, like, a half. And then after that, every time he played at the position, it would just be dumpster Terrible. fire. Yeah, it was, he was either, like, really, really good, like, first two starts going against Bosa. T.J. Watt only allowed, like, one sack and one pressure. And then he'd go and get absolutely baptized by Matthew Judon or something like that. It was very up and down. But his ups are very up. Like he was a number one preseason. Number one, I don't know if it was preseason, but number one offensive lineman in the NFL in the preseason. It's, it's not something to scoff at. I mean, you think about that, and that, that doesn't sound that impressive because you're like, oh, he's going against a bunch of but he third was with string the practice starting line. guys. So that's that's where I'm getting with this. Like, yeah. he, he got so much, so many different looks throughout each preseason game. He saw a season's worth of looks by playing the entire game, yeah. basically. Every game. Basically. And he did well against every look that he did. That's a lot of looks to see, no matter if a guy's not the greatest. That's a hard thing to do, is go against that many different players and have to like figure out what to do against that many different players. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive. And I think he has the versatility and the work ethic, unlike some other guys on the Bears' offensive line, that will allow him to be a long-term option for this team. Um, and I think it's starting to show this season. I think he's stepping up in a time where the Bears really need somebody to step up in the offensive line position. 
Um, I also wanted to shout out the rookie D-backs. Um, I think we've had so many injuries this year as a unit. Um, you know, you're looking at safety just by itself. Eddie Jackson's been out. We've had Jalen Johnson missing. We've had other Brisker. corners missing. Brisker. Yeah, Brisker's missing. Uh, Josh Blackwell up this mm-hmm. season. Gordon. So we have just so much step up from that yeah, position. Greg Stroman, I thought he should have played some in this game. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic the last two games. Uh, Terrell Smith has done a good job. Uh, that Johnson, number 26, he had an interception against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They played well. So. Mm-hmm. And then one more shout-out to DJ Moore if they were throwing the ball. Um, that last game against Washington, he looked like prime Julio Jones. It was insane. Um, I loved it. If Just wish they would throw him the ball. Let's talk about some of their most disappointing. Josh, who do you have as the Bears' most disappointing? The front office. Um, you know, this, this was an issue after – I think this was probably the biggest issue after, you know, that uh, – Third week, right? Correct. Um, and because you know, it came down to reports saying that if Eberflus lost the Thursday night game, then he's out, and the whole staff's out, whatever, blah blah. blah. But then we end up winning; he stays. But then we have this type of performance. So you know, I think right now the front office is really the the biggest disappointment right now because it's just like we see where the problems are. It's just we're not really addressing it. I don't know whether it's because we don't have like we don't want to do the payouts we don't want to like have to look for anyone new we want to just like get through the season and be over with it whatever right but like it's getting to a point where yeah you're disappointing a lot of people who believe in you a lot but you're just making yourself look bad at this point and you're making the organization what it stands for look really bad so like that that right there just sums up like the biggest like loser for the Bears. Yeah, um, I think at watching this season and every game that's happened so far this season, the Bears are obviously trying to tank. They want two top five picks. It's it's clear at, at this point. I mean, yeah, you'd have to say that. And not a single person in the Chicago Bears fan base wants this team to tank again. We thought we could have been a seven seed, six seven seed this year, but. Guess not. I mean, all the moves Ryan Poles have made have not worked. He traded basically 32 overall first-round pick for Chase Claypool. That could be our biggest disappointment right there. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have a rebound season or at least be competent. That did not happen. Uh, we thought offensive line-wise we were, we were going to stick it with Whitehair at center. That has not worked. And now he can't even snap the ball because we've played him at guard the last three years. And Patrick still sucks. Uh Braxton Jones didn't look much better. We thought, hey, maybe we get a left tackle even though he was good. He didn't look very good. Now he's hurt. Our D-line still can't rush the passer. I don't know. We had a glor- bunch of glorified practice squad guys last year, and those guys have played better than the glorified rotational guys we have now. The guys that tried hard outperformed <laughs> our free agents. Uh, our two big, big money linebackers uh, that we chose to pay instead of Roquan Smith. Both have not lived up to Roquan Smith's talent and production. We signed a running back, and we demoted him to fourth string after one game. It's not worked out. I hate how Ryan Poles builds teams where he has obvious glaring holes going into the season and does nothing to fix them. Like he did last year with the O-line, and this year with the center position, and other parts on our team that we... I've talked about many times, like our defensive line. 
it's just been bad this year. I mean, you look back at those signings, and again, to our point before, it those signings look like we were trying to tank. They look, yeah, it looked like we were just like trying to. We had money to spend because we had to spend it. And they were spending on players that had shiny names that were recently talked about by a lot of people. And it kept the Bears in the good graces of the fan base for a while. While they went on and planned for the season to happen the way it is. Once they got that Panthers pick, they were like, we're done. The season's not happening. We're not planning for the season to happen. We're waiting until the next draft and starting again in 2024. And it's awful. Ever since the double doink, the Bears have been rebuilding. Yeah, they've been bad ever since. And I, I'm sick of it. I need to see this team compete. At One least, of these years. At least be 500 like we were the couple years after that when we still had our defense. Somewhat Maggie, competent. I mean, we were the worst team in the league last year, and we look worse this year. Yeah. Like, I can't do another season of 3-14, and 2-15. and 15. I can't. I mean, at this rate, we won't even get to 3-14, and 14, like you no. said. And, I mean, even though we were technically not the worst team in the league, right, the Panthers are. And, obviously, that's something that is helping us right now because people are like, ooh, Bears have 1-2 and two just because the Panthers are 0-6, right? But the Panthers are still making the Bears look bad because the Panthers are actually competing. Why? Adam Thielen, right? And we'll we'll get to that and whatever, but, like, the Panthers are making us look like the worst team in the league, which is crazy because they haven't even gotten a win yet. It's crazy because, like, we know things can click for us, and it can happen for any team. Any team in this league, it can click, right? But, like, for the Bears, like, it's just – it's right there at the tip. But every time we just keep <laughs> – we keep taking two <laughs> steps back, and then we start jogging backwards, and then we run a half marathon backwards. Like, it, it makes no sense that these other teams that have zero wins, you know, are just make us look like a geriatric XFL team. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, we talk about taking, right? So we're going to get a number one overall pick if we tank. If I'm <clears throat> Caleb Williams, I know this is a controversial thing, but if I'm making like six, seven million at USC, and I've seen what they've done in their last two quarterbacks, especially a blue chip guy like Justin Fields. Why wouldn't I just pull an Eli Manning and be like, yeah, if you draft me, I'm not playing for you? Like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, why would it? Like, at this point, we're we always we're gonna screw up any quarterback we get. We did it with Cutler. Cutler had four thousand five hundred yards the previous season when he was with Denver. He came to us, he never sniffed those numbers. That it was not his fault. We didn't give him an offensive lineman or a receiver to his fourth year with the Bears. And they didn't give him the offensive line until the fifth year. They gave Brandon, Brandon Marshall in year four, offensive line nine until the fifth, and he was so beat up at that point it didn't even matter. That's what I was going to say. By that point, his spirit was destroyed. And that and the defense got old and we didn't replace them and we had Chris Conti leading our defense. By the time we had a great offense, we have, like you said, Chris Conti leading that. And then you continue to do that with Mitch Trubisky. You basically do the same thing. He, not, not that he had the same potential as a guy like Jay Cutler or Justin Fields, but you drafted. He was a good quarterback that could win games. There was points in his career where you saw, and there there was talent there. And if with the right system and the right players around him, he could be he a Pro Bowl, consistent Pro Bowl quarterback. He did it, yeah. And, and then, then they continue to just give him a good defense, but don't help him on offense at all. Give him no line, system that doesn't fit his skills, no run game. I think blame him. Mm-hmm. 
Nagy hated him. I don't know why you hired Nagy when he openly said, I don't like a quarterback. And then, um, and at this point, they're probably just going to continue their trend of hiring first-time head coaches. At this point, we've done that the last, what, three times now? Other than John Fox. Mm-hmm. Trustman, that didn't work. That was terrible. That's arguably the worst era of Bears football until now. John Fox was washed. We just did that because we needed a veteran after picking a first-time head coach like and that. And they wanted some kind of juice for the media. They, John Fox yeah. was coming off a of Super Bowl. It was all... Yeah. And then you pick Nagy, first-time head coach, and now Eberflus, first-time head coach. So at this point, like, who are they going to get? They're going to go get a Ben Johnson or someone like that. Personally, if I'm picking head coach, I'm getting Brian Flores. Bears, at this point, we know whoever we have a quarterback is not going to be great. So I would just go build a great defense, which Flores can do. with. He can make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. Go get him and just build the offensive line. Have a run game and go get a, if he's there, obviously Caleb Williams, but just try to make it as easy for him as possible. We always get these quarterbacks and we have nothing around them. Fields still has nothing around him other than DJ Moore. I'm tired of it. Trubisky didn't have anything. He had one good year of offensive line play and some weapons, and he let us a division title and Pro Bowl. Yeah, it was an alternate, but he still made the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of this. Fields has had, we've done everything possibly wrong. Since the day we drafted him until now. We fired his head coach after this first year. We should have fired him beforehand. We switched offenses in the second year. We gave him no offensive line this year, last year, the year before. We had the worst offensive line in 2021. And we came into 2022 with the worst offensive line. That's not Ryan Pulse. He had obvious glaring holes that he refuses to fill and just thinks that it's going to magically get better. We gave him the worst defense in the league last year. That doesn't help. We gave him no receivers last year. This year we got the worst defense in the league an average offensive line and one receiver. And running backs that can't stay healthy and haven't lived up to their wild potential that we think Roshan Johnson is going to be. So I don't know. The whole process, the whole everything needs to change. My only faith with that is Kevin Warren because he wasn't there when we had Fields and Nagy and all that and we didn't hire any of these guys. That's our only hope at this point. If it's just going to be the same old, same old, then there's no point in even talking about this. Mm-hmm. So we'll get Caleb Williams or Drake May or... Michael Penix, and it'll be the same thing. Or the year after that, you go and get Shador Sanders, and you yeah. have Justin Fields 2.0. Yeah. Um, let's move on uh, to another very disappointing team in the NFC North. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings, who the Bears just played. Uh, their most disappointing player, unanimous, unanimously, we decided, was Alexander Madison. Why couldn't he fill Dalvin Cook's shoes? I don't think he was ever that special. He doesn't have a great offensive line. That's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think he had such high expectations going into the season, then? Because uh, he was always a guy that'd be like, oh, I wonder what he could be like as a main guy. And he finally got it, and it was like, all right, let's see it. Now we've been waiting four years. Kept the old Delvin Cook that long. Let's do it. And then it was a massive – and then now he, he never had ball security issues. Now he does. He can't hold on to the ball. So that's the biggest thing is running back. He fumbled. That's the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw what happened to Melvin Gordon this past season, last year. Yeah, They'll get you cut. Mm-hmm. That and he's just not that special. He's like a worse version of Delvin Cook. Yeah. <laughs> Delvin Cook's not looking great this season no. either. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he's washed. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, like, I look faster than him. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Erase but... me. He's relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he relegated to, Cycling? 
playing for the Lightning Lions. Keep him in the Midwest. <laughs> Keep him in the Midwest. With, uh, Chris Peterson. We'll play with them. <laughs> Me and Chris want to make a comeback. We'll, we'll block for him. <laughs> um, the big thing we wanted to talk about with the Minnesota Vikings, though, was their most surprising, which you kind of touched on, on him a little bit uh, earlier when we were talking about the Bears game. Brian Flores is our most Ooh. surprising. Um, what What happened in Miami, and why does he not get a chance until Mike Tomlin gives him a chance? Well, with Miami, it was the whole saying, hey, the, the owner pay, is telling me to tank, paying me to lose, and he's racist. <laughs> that's, the best, that's literally what it was. It was 2019 when they wanted to tank for Tua before Joe Burrow was the big hot shot. He was telling him, hey, tank, tank, tank. And Flores was like, no. And then they won like five out of the last eight, and Ross was mad. That's where the problem started. Then he didn't get along with Chris Greer because Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert. And Chris Greer wanted Tua. So he never liked Tua. Then, of course, he he was never able to find the right offensive coordinator. I mean, he had two back-to-back winning seasons, 10-6 and six and 9-8, and eight, with no offensive no. They only had Jalen Waddle on offense. They didn't have a running back. That's not the Miami offense we have now. His the only thing he really did wrong was he did not. He was bad for Tua. He was very rough and abrasive and not good with Tua. Bad job developing him, especially the rookie year when you'd yank him if he had one bad drive. That was the only really thing he did wrong. He didn't deserve to get fired. I mean, he had a team that was one seventy, took him to nine and eight. That's impressive. You hired him to be a defensive coach. They had the top five defense in the league. It's not, he did fine. Personally, I want him. Young, defensive mind. He had the worst defense in the league the last two years. Head coach experience. (laughs) That's the main thing at this point. (laughs) And yeah, if he can just find the right offensive coordinator, he's set. He'd still be in Miami. Or if they drafted Justin Herbert, which... That, that's always a very spirited debate, Tua versus Herbert, but Herbert's obviously more talented. It's just doesn't quite have the clutchness of Tua. You can go either way with those two guys. Personally, I'd probably go with Herbert just because the injuries, issues with Tua and more athletic and bigger and everything, mm-hmm. but yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like, just talking about that debate, I think Tua just has that dog in him that Justin yeah. Herbert doesn't Tua, have. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that time, when he was in Miami, it was like Herbert by a mile, because that's when Tua was struggling. So I don't blame him for. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you think this Bears team is doing this season if Brian Flores is the coach instead of Matt Eberflus? How would this season look? We would have beat Denver. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, we'd be, and then we probably would have beat the Vikings. Yep. The Vikings had, a, if they kept their defense corner from last year, we would have put up thirty against them. At Donatel. So we'd be like we'd probably be like three and three right now. Maybe four and two would beat the Bucks. Cause I feel like the stupidness that the Bears have, those penalties and just the dumb stuff we do, it doesn't happen on him. He's old school Flores. He is he gets pissed. Well, like you mentioned before, he would bench Tua after one bad yeah. drive. He has a short leash on players. He would have cut Claypool in training camp. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mess around. Yeah. It's not like Eberflus who like you know couldn't even say that Whitehair struggled to snap the ball. That's why we took him out. He's like, oh, we just gotta look at it. He did great. We he we didn't bench him because he was snapping the ball bad and he was blo- missing every block. We just have to look at it. If him. He's like the ultimate. Like he would he would say that like um. 
I can't say that on radio. <laughs> you can figure out what he would have said. Thanks for censoring yeah. yourself, buddy. <laughs> no, but I, I, I totally agree with what Sackley said. Like, this guy is... Uh, like how you said, the short leash. Like, that is huge, a huge component for a head coach. And I, I agree with Sackley as well with what uh, Iberflus is like. He's kind of... It's like... He's saying he's not making excuses, but he's making excuses, you know. Um, but he's just putting it in a different way of how they looked at it from a coaching standpoint. But that's not how a head coach should be. A head coach should be he should be angry. He should be furious. He, sh- you know, obviously Demand control respect. Control it for the media, obviously, because some things need to be kept within the facility and the team, and that makes sense, right? But. Let it out. You know, show your players. You don't mess around. Like, this is serious. This is our jobs. We're dedicating our life to a sport, guys. But we're we're doing it because we love the game. It just seems like, like Iberflus and whoever else is just like, they're just going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even trying to coach. They're just trying to make excuses for this and that it's and like whatever. his head. Yeah, like... I think they're just going along for the ride because then they get to say, I got to be a part of the Bears training staff. I got to be a head coach for the Chicago Bears, you know, you know, because it, it like the Chicago, that that's no joke to say, you know, like that's that's such an honor to have. But like, I feel like this guy just he was like, oh, finally, I get to have my chance at a head coach job. Let's do it. Let's right away, you know, and I think that's what the case is right now. But, you know, we get a guy with a short leash and who's straightforward and not making excuses, this team looks sound. We actually make that. We don't win that Kansas game, but we make it a game, you know? So, I, I don't know. I Brian Flores would be the best option for us. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of the best teams in the league, and it's hard to do with the way that professional sports are going right now. With a lot of, like, professional sports is very star-based now. Mm-hmm. There's one star on one or two stars on every team that does their own thing, and coaches try to base everything off of that. The best coaches in the NFL look at the talent that they have and build their own system and find ways to make the players fit into that system instead of building a system for those players. Yeah, or building around one player who's mm-hmm. the star. How you say? Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of what the Chicago Bears have done this season is look at this roster and go, we don't have talent, let's just survive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's how they should have been looking at it, is that they should have came in with a plan, came in confident with their own plan, and made the Bears fit into their plan. And they just didn't do that. And I think a guy like Brian Flores comes in and does that. I think he comes in and has an idea of what he wants done, who he thinks fits into his plan, and makes it his team. Mm-hmm. Because right now it's McCaskey's team, it's Ryan Poles' team, it's not Matt Eberflus's team. Yeah, and you can evidently see that. And the only reason Matt Eberflus probably still has a job right now is because it's the McCaskey and Poles' team. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's frustrating. Uh, I think Brian Flores has the potential to be one of the best coaches in the league given the right opportunity. Oh, most definitely. Let's move on to the best team in this division. We have about 10 minutes left here before we take a break, so we'll talk about these last two teams and then take a break. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Who is their most surprising player to you guys? That defense as a whole. I mean, they've all gotten better. Hutchinson's taking the next step. I mean, McNeil's a legitimate force on the inside. 
Charles Harris is at their defense end is re- resurrecting his career. He's a bust in Miami. Uh, Anzalone's a beast now. I mean, the secondary's gotten a lot better. Brian Branch is looking like all pro safety as a rookie. Jerry Jacobs is a lot better. Cameron Sutton. I just I I thought their defense would be okay this year. They were like thirty first in the league last year. I thought they'd be okay. They've been good. I mean, six points here, six points against the Falcons, against the Bucks. Uh, smacked around the Panthers. Uh, I mean, they've done well. They and they held the Chiefs to twenty points at home. They've done well mm-hmm. and scored a touchdown in that game that won them the game. Mm-hmm. Basically, who, who do you give the credit for this performance so far? I think Aaron Glenn's a very good defense coordinator. And Brad Holmes, he brought in the right guys. Brought in a Brian Branch. He brought in a Jack Campbell. He drafted Lillian McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, uh, Rodrigo, uh, you know, all those guys. He hit on all of his uh, free agent signings. Other than C.J. Gardner, he got hurt. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. He was doing well before he got hurt. So he they brought in the right guys. And he hired a good coach, and Glenn's doing, he's calling the good defense. Josh, how good is this defense, and how far do you think they can take this Lions team? This defense is unmatched right now. It's it's a really, really good defense, and I think they can compete with anyone right now, and they obviously prove they can compete with defending Super Bowl champs and other teams. Besides, the, the Seahawks always give them a problem, and we talked about that before. The Seahawks have their number, like Sackley always says. Um, so, but like they can compete with anyone you put them against anyone, they're going to put their head down and go to work. And I agree with exactly with why, you know, like who was the reason as to why, you know, this unit is so close and whatever, but an honorable mention I want to give is Campbell, the head coach that I feel like that guy, like he's devoting everything he has and instilling like all of this knowledge into into every single player within that 53 man roster as to like, you know, we got to stay together and just work. And I feel like it's just, it's, it's showing, you know, it's really showing that, you know, just getting really, really close as a group and just playing the game together. It's, it's why they're winning so much. It's why they're tied for the best record in the NFL. It's why that, they're going to be contenders, you know, for a, a valid playoff spot, you know. So it, it's it's really like that's something that was I was kind of like enjoyed about when they hired him, you know, because that's something that I think every coach, every head coach should have, you know. But this defense is going to take them far. Mm-hmm. This defense is really, really going to take them far. Like I said, a solid playoff seed, uh, you know, maybe not an NFC championship, but like really really deep i would say really deep you know Mm -hmm. but then you know they'll find out their tweaks deep into that playoff run and then they'll just come back and get and do it again the next year but like have different a better and different outcome Mm -hmm. um let's talk about their most disappointing player right away uh this one's mostly fantasy based um but you can see the lack of production on the field as well jameer gibbs yeah they drafted him they traded back from basically and they haven't used him I don't know why they were hyping him up. Barry Sanders is like, this is the best running back they've had since me. <laughs> and they haven't used him. And he, now he's hurt. And he's on my fantasy team. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this team's been good o- everywhere this year so far. Laporta's been a big surpriser as well. I mean, they've excelled everywhere. So this is their only – that's kind of nuts. This is their only disappointment. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not really that big of a disappointment since David Montgomery has played so well when he's healthy. And Craig Reynolds is ready exactly. to play some football. Um, also, that's some disrespect from Barry Sanders. He forgot about my boy Joyke Bell uh, balling out. Mikel LaShore? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with, with Jameer Gibbs, I think a lot of it is that, and this is what people were saying, that he never really had like that much of a workload before. No. He and never I, had like a 100-yard game in Bama. It was always like receiving. It was like Kamara. Mm-hmm. And... I think Kamara was put into a situation where they were very ready to deploy two running backs. Yeah, yeah. Hall of Fame quarterback, great O-line, good receivers, but we want to use two. Yeah, and then Ingram was the opposite style of Mm -hmm. him. It was perfect. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people saw was that David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs could be that. They are very similar to that duo. The only problem is, is that... Last year, they didn't really – they used two running backs, but when you watch those games, it was one running back taking over over the other. It, yeah. wasn't, Jamal, it wasn't Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. It was, it was one Williams getting three touchdowns or DeAndre yeah. Swift getting 30 touches and exactly. catches and everything and Williams just being a short yardage back. Exactly. And when you're watching these games, you realize that David Montgomery can do all of that. David Montgomery is a better receiver than a lot of people give him credit for. David Montgomery can stay on the field for three downs. You know, there's different things that David Montgomery can do that I don't think guys like Mark Ingram could do when that Saints team. And I think because of that, the Lions just focus in on him. And then you mix in the idea that Jameer Gibbs isn't ready for an NFL workload. I think that's kind of what it crumbles down to, is that he's just not ready, but people expected him to be ready right away. And I don't think anybody took into account that it was pretty obvious he wasn't ready. Um, before we go into the break here, let's talk about this last NFC North team, the Green Bay Packers. We had their most disappointing as um, Christian Watson. Hmm. What has happened this season with Christian Watson? Well, he was hurt. He missed the first three games. He still can't run any routes other than just, you know, a go route, a hitch, or a, a post where he just catches and runs. And then they got hawked by a washed Marcus Peters. I mean, his hands are still questionable. Really hasn't improved on what he was lacking last year. Mm-hmm. And then you add in that he's injury prone now. He missed some games last year. He's missed three to start this year. That, that considers you injury prone in my mind. And yeah. What, what did people see in him? What what separated him from a Marquez Valdez Scantling or a Nelson Aguilar? They saw 6'5, 230, and runs a 4'3. Yep. All they he's saw a, he's was. He's a freak. Yeah, all they saw was height and speed. And that is something that they shouldn't have done because um, it. You can say that about anyone, obviously, but like that for Green Bay, that they shouldn't have done that because their guys, like Devontae, he was decently tall and big and fast, but he was more of a shifty kind of guy. Watson, Watson just doesn't look shifty at all. This guy looks like how he says, like runs a a hitch and go or just a straight seam route. Like this guy, like it just seems like he's so like long. All he could do is just stride. That's it, you know. But like. You know, a Marquez, Marquez Scantling, that guy, he's going to take your ankles any day, you know, and come across the field and catch the ball and get upfield. But then, obviously, you, you like Watson, too, because that's your high ball, man, you know. But Love can't throw the ball. Love is underthrowing, overthrowing, or barely just making it to these guys, any any of his receivers besides Watson. Like, it's it's ridiculous, right? But we're not talking about Love. But, like, with Watson, it's just like, Give him something else, man. Like, t- teach him how to be shifty. I don't know. Do some footwork drills. Like, th- this is this is a really bad, like, loss for them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the Packers draft room looks like going into draft days, but they must have nobody ever scouting wide receivers. These guys, I think they go into every draft just looking for the most athletic guy they possibly can at whatever third-round pick they have for their first pick and then just immediately grab him without scouting him. Because when you watch Christian Watson play, and again, he looks like it literally seems like he's a glorified uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Nelson Aguilar. Those guys who can just run deep routes and occasionally catch the ball when they run those routes. Um, it, I, I just don't like. I don't understand what they saw that would have made them compare him closer to like a DK Metcalf or something mm-hmm. like that. Because DK Metcalf can run a route. Yeah. DK Metcalf is one of the most physical receivers I've seen play football. And Christian Watson doesn't have those extra attributes. He doesn't have that mentality. He doesn't have the health to stay on the field. And those things were evident before and they should have been evident to a GM or an NFL GM especially an NFL GM for one of the most legendary franchises in the history of the NFL who have a reputation to uphold who are tasked with getting Aaron Rodgers receivers when he had been asking for receivers for four years one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and they can't do it why why do they just constantly keep going through this rigmarole of just drafting useless wide receivers hoping that eventually they'll pop off Eventually, they'll get their Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. I think they forgot that those guys had an Aaron Rodgers helping them develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do that with every wide receiver. You can't just bring in random guys and hope that they develop. Yeah, especially That's not how especially that works. with a guy that you have a quarterback that isn't developed himself. Exactly, you got to scout better. You just yeah. got to scout better. Um, going into their most surprising, we got two guys here: Rashawn Gary and Quay Walker. What what have you guys liked from these guys in their front seven so far? Rashad Gary just looks fantastic coming off the ACL. I mean, he looks better than ever. I mean, great week one. He was every every time I've seen him, he's got at least a sack or two sacks every game. He looks strong. He looks fast, dynamic. He looks good. I didn't think he'd look that good this early coming off the injury. Then Quay Walker is built off his good rookie season. Or right, then when he plays Detroit, <laughs> he's a beast. He's he will stop the run at a hundred percent. He looks good. He's athletic enough to athletic, drop into coverage. Fast. He's big. People don't realize how big he is. He's good. Mm-hmm. He's He just looks like the prototype linebacker that people are looking for right now. Yeah. Fast, can cover, mm-hmm. but then he can still be a downhill thumper. Basically what the Bears wanted Tremaine Edmonds to be. When yeah. he's not. <laughs> Basically what we had in Roquan Smith. <laughs> yep. yep. He, that's what I think he looks like. I think Quay Walker, I love Quay Walker. He looks like a big Roquan Smith a lot yeah. out there. And that's all. That's really dangerous. And without the little like weird like Roquan gut, <laughs> I like the little Roquan gut. It looks funny. Yeah, he just got a little gut for no reason. You know, he's fast as hell. Has a little gut. <laughs> all right, folks. That was the NFC North. We're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll go through the last three NFL divisions. Stay tuned. How's it going, folks? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio, and you're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. If you are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the NFC North and their best uh, surprises and biggest disappointments. Also went through the Chicago Bears, gaming us Minnesota Vikings. Now we are going to continue through the rest of the NFC. Starting off with the NFC East, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's talk about their most surprising first, Jalen Carter. How good has he been? 
I mean, I, I knew he was going to be a good NFL player, but I didn't think he'd be the number one rated defensive tackle in his rookie year. I mean, he looks like a prime Warren Sapp already. And he is special. I mean, just his reps. When he wins a rep, it's not like, okay, he pushed it back and then he got – no. Within one or two steps from the line of scrimmage, he wins that rep. His slap swim with that big of a man, that's throwing that fast. Like, his short area quickness is unbelievable. Like, he wins reps in two steps or less. It's it's nuts. Where that spin move at that big of a size, the spin move works every time. And then when he wants to be physical, he can. He is he's got everything. I mean, I'm really regretting I like Darnell Wright, but I'm really regretting that pick. Mm-hmm. Josh, what do you like about Jam Carter? I mean, the dude is showing hints of like Aaron Donald and Warren Sapp and it's 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 making all of us Bears fans think and be like, man, what if? You know, and that's really the only thing that we can do is just say what if. But, I mean, who knows? Like, if that guy was on our team, who knows if where we would be right now, you know? But then again, who knows if we would have killed his career early. So, that like, that's the – it's all just imagination at this point. But, um, man, this kid is – he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're looking at a possible defensive rookie of the year. I think to to your point about this, what type of situation he's in, um, when he is with, or right now he's with the Philadelphia Eagles, who have probably the best front seven in football. Uh, Hassan Reddick has five and a half sacks. Jordan Davis next to him has two sacks. Uh, yeah, Davis took a, the next step in this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Sweat has three and a half sacks. You know he's playing with guys. You know Brandon Graham's still there. Fletcher Cox is still there. They have a lot of talent that opens up space for him to show out. And then at the same time. Like, yes, those guys open up the space and make it easier for him, but then he's also outperforming those guys, too. Oh, yeah, by a margin. He is, he is the bright spot of that defense. Again, Hassan Rex having an awesome season again. He's one of yeah. the best sack artists in the league. He had five sacks in the last two games. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any in the first three games. Um, So he's he's coming around showing what he, he has been capable of the past couple of seasons. But then you put Jalen Carter in the Chicago Bears, and he doesn't have that same support around him in a pass rush and a uh, run setting. It's not the same. And the – from what I saw in Jalen Carter and what I saw in the offseason with Jalen Carter, I don't think he would fare well on a team where his ego is going to get hurt. With the Chicago Bears, there are going to be moments where he's not going to look good because the rest of the team doesn't look good. And I don't know if he could handle that. When he's on a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, there's no really worry about that. He gets to show out and play as hard as he can because somebody else is going to do something on the other side if he doesn't do something. Yeah, and he's with all his boys. Mm-hmm. He's with Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, uh, Keely Ringo. I mean, they got everyone there. It's all his friends. So that's the best possible situation. Mm-hmm. And he probably wouldn't have done well in Chicago. That does, Chicago does not fare well for the stuff that he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he landed in the perfect spot. I don't think there's a better team, better pairing. Um, again, I, I, I'm i with you. I regret at points the Darnell Wright pick based on what has happened so far this season, seeing Darnell Wright not be able to pass block for his life. He just lunges and doesn't move his feet. You know, it, it's tough and seeing what Jalen Carter is doing. But then I also think about it, I'm like, he probably wouldn't be doing that with the Chicago, but Chicago Bears. He's not the no. defense rookie. Devin Witherspoon is running away at the rookie of the year if he's on the Chicago, if uh, Jalen Carter's on the Chicago Bears. Um, so I think all of this together built for like the perfect storm for Jalen Carter and he's taking full advantage. Let's talk about some of the more disappointing players. I want to talk about Devonte Smith. 
Why is he not taking that next step so far this season? Because they have a new offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. He hasn't really been great. And their game plans this year have always been very one-sided. It's either we're going to run it 40 times or we're going to throw it 40 times. And ever since that little A.J. Brown sideline accident, it's been, okay, I'm going to stop throwing it to Devontae. I'm going to go throw it to A.J. Brown, which A.J. Brown's played great. He played great against the Jets. He was the only player that played good against them. He's been absolutely fantastic the last three games. But plus the... You couple him with Devontae, I mean, he's not that big of a guy. So he's always gonna he's gonna have a hard time with the contested tough catches, which he did against the Jets. The last two three plays of the game, that's what happened. And then you throw in the fact that they're now more run dominant than they were last year. It's just naturally gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's been bad by any means, but he just hasn't really lived up to his potential the last couple games. Yeah. I think with a guy like this, I expected him to take another step this season. We saw him take a step last season yeah, and grow as a player and grow into the role on this team as that number two receiver that in a team that desperately needed a number two receiver. We saw him for a long time with guys that hadn't played receiver before as their number yeah. two receiver. <laughs> it, it was a struggle yeah. three years ago the for the Philadelphia Greg Eagles. Wards and the, <laughs> the Ortega Whitesides of the world. And Nelson Aguilar being your number yeah. one receiver. Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Washed Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> I mean, he's not bad. I mean, he's on pace for about 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. Basically a little worse than what he did last year. But, yeah, I would like to see that next step. from him. I want 1,200, and I want eight, touch, eight touchdowns from him. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, when we were discussing who we were going to put in this spot, you talked about Jalen Hurts. Do you think any of – Devontae Smith's lost production is on Jalen Hurts' erratic performances so far this season. I mean, we could sit here and say it is and isn't, right? But I feel like I feel like that it could be because of this erratic, you know, thing with Jalen Hurts. And I mean, we even saw it when with AJ Brown. AJ Brown was visibly they were putting it on live television. He was visibly upset. And he was stating it and not in like a, you know, like a, hey man, like, you know, this and that, whatever. Like he was frustrated. He was moving his arms, flailing, kind of like he's throwing a temper tantrum, really, in all reality, right? And it's just like, I'm not saying this is what we need out of Devonta, but like, it doesn't help when Jalen is playing, like the way he played against the Jets, it doesn't help the case at all, right? Because then it's like, Oh, uh, his receivers aren't getting the ball, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, then again, it shouldn't be up to, like, create space. You're, Devonta is probably the, like, the skinniest wide receiver in the league. Like, create space. You're shifty, bro. You don't have that much weight like DK Metcalf does or, you know, someone else. You know, Debo Samuel. Like, you can create space. Get away from your defender and you'll get the ball. You know, like some of these guys just they'll run their route and then just turn away and be like, oh, I'm not getting the ball. I'm going to just walk, you know, play until the whistle. Like, I understand whatever play is called, like, just go, man, because who knows? Something something erratic will always happen every single game anywhere. Right. But like it doesn't help when, you know, Jalen Hurts is playing the way he did on Sunday. You know, it, it really doesn't help at all, especially with the Jets top corner being out of the game, too. Mm hmm. Um, for the sake of time, let's hop on over to our next NFC East team. I want to talk about the Washington Commanders. Let's start off with their most disappointing, their first-round pick, Emmanuel Forbes. Exactly, what is what's wrong with him? I mean, I just to me, I just think he wasn't ready for the NFL. He was 165 pounds. 
I mean, okay, I can live with that for like a you know a gadget slot receiver, but not an NFL corner. I mean, he's this guy has to guard like a guy like DK Metcalf or a guy like DJ Moore. DJ Moore got yeah. him benched. Big two hundred twenty pound DJ Moore. He's just not physically ready. I don't know why they, they didn't really need a corner. That's been by far the biggest disappointment, just because of how far he's. He, they inactivated him because they just wanted him to reset. This is like getting on. It's like a baseball pitcher that like has allowed like ten runs in five games in a row. It's like that, but in football. I'd say him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you see any potential out of this guy, or do you think what we've seen so far this season and the situation he was put into this early, do you think they stunted his growth now? No, I don't think they stunted. I mean, he's just a guy that's going to take a year or two. We want everything now in this society. We want immediate success, immediate gratification, and it's going to take a while with him. Mm-hmm. It's just how it's going to go. And I think – this commander's team, I think people forget that's kind of what their plan is as a team anyways, is to wait a year or two and get right then. Yeah. I, right now, they're good enough to compete in some yeah. games, but not good enough to win any. They're transferring ownership. They're finally not under the despotic leadership of Daniel Snyder, and they think, you know, now we can actually have a chance of success. Mm-hmm. Return to the old organization that we were. And kind of with that, they have a transition quarterback who's playing a little better than what people expect, expected. Our most surprising player is Sam Howell. What what have you liked out of Sam Howell so far this season? I mean, other than that Buffalo game, he hasn't turned the ball over. He's a lot more elusive and dual threat than I remember. I thought he was just kind of like a Baker Mayfield, a little more athletic. But he can move. That He's, he's scoring touchdowns. I mean, he's getting three, four touchdowns a game. He had three this week. He had three against the Broncos. He had... Multiple against the Bears. I mean, he's producing. It's not like the defense is carrying him and, okay, he's just game managing and, you know, 180 yards, one touchdown, we're good. He's going out he's winning them the games. Yeah, he's doing his part. And I think that right now, especially with the switch of ownership, is something that they're very proud to see because then they don't have to be like, oh, Jesus, like what else do we have to worry about, you know? So I think him playing his part and being – like he's performing really well at it is really like alleviating a lot of pressure off the the team itself, you know. So I think that's a huge part. Um, we we talked about this a little bit when we went over one question that we had for every NFL team, um, and I wanted to ask you guys again after we've seen a little bit more production so far this season: Is Sam Howell more than just a transition quarterback? Can he be a future longtime starter for this team? I think he can. I mean, yeah. I look at this draft class right now. I don't think Chidur's coming out. And the only guys that take over him are Caleb Williams and Drake May. I'm not taking Penix over. I like Penix, but I'm not taking him over Sam Howell at this point. You know, Quinn Ewers is cool. I'm not taking him over Sam Howell. And, you know, keeps on playing the way he is. They're going to be in the playoff hunt. The NFC's bad this year. They could easily be the sixth or seventh seed. It's every team from the NFC South is imploding now. Half the NFC North is uncompetitive. Terrible. Really, three teams in yeah. there. They're going to be in the playoffs. So if he leads your, your team into the playoffs, it's first year starting quarterback with the stats that he's putting up. There's no way you can move off unless if you somehow magically Caleb Williams falls to pick thirty or whatever or twenty five. Then yeah, but other than that, I'm sticking with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one more guy I wanted to talk about with Washington, and this is a guy that has spent a lot of time on this team and has spent a lot of time as a leader on this team and hasn't really got his chance to show out in these past couple weeks he's been able to show out. Logan Thomas has stepped up as one of the safety blankets for Sam Howell, and I think that's a he's a huge part of Sam Howell's success so far this season because he gives him such a big open target. 
And this is a guy who didn't come into the NFL as a tight end, really. He was hybrid quarterback, hybrid tight end. And he wasn't really expected to come in and fill that role as a starting tight end in the league. And he stepped up a lot this season after spending a lot of the past couple seasons injured. And I don't think anybody really expected him to take that step up for this team. And he's been playing really well this season. So I just wanted to shout out Logan Thomas real quick. Um, Next up, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Their most disappointing uh, players, we had a group of players for this, their offensive stars and Mike McCarthy. Why can't these stars seem to get it all together at the same time? Honestly, I don't know if it comes down to them just, you know, it just being, you know, them having a night, but it just seems like every time they play, it just seems like it's that night, you know, where they just cannot connect besides Dak and CD here and there. But who it, it could, people can also say, that it's Mike McCarthy all of a sudden because he's calling the plays. You know, he's going back to his Green Bay days, you know, and that's what they were talking about before the game started um, on Monday. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell because, obviously, people are saying don't bash Dak because blah, 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 right? But, like, honestly, that's all we can do because you're paying him all this money and he's not performing to you. I don't understand how Jerry Jones isn't tired of it already. The dude keeps in like he's gonna put in his will. Like if if Jerry Jones happens to die to tomorrow, his will's gonna be like Dak gets everything. <laughs> like I swear to God, like I don't understand what they see in this guy. I really don't. And I feel like if you get someone else in there, I think you find a better connection. I, I, that, that's just me though. Obviously, I, I'm probably you know talking out of my rear end, but. I don't – there isn't really a connection with everyone else besides um, C.D. Lamb and Dak. You know, where is it with Michael Gallup? Where is it with, you know uh, – Brandon Cooks. Yeah, everyone else. Like, it, it, it doesn't really – like, it's not clicking. I don't know why they don't see it. I think when, when looking at the Dallas Cowboys and talking about Jerry Jones, you see it with the McCaskies and the Chicago Bears too. Mm-hmm. It's this old mindset of giving people chances because they're already there. Back in the olden days of football, people didn't leave teams. You know, you nope. if you were drafted by a team, you were on that team for your entire career. And I think a lot of these older owners and front offices still have that mentality, and they still want to be able to give these teams and players and coaches chances because that's what loyalty is about. That's what the game of football is about. Where nowadays it's it's not about that. Football is very much a money game, and if mm-hmm. you're not getting past the first round of the playoffs every year, you're not making money, you know, and the Cowboys and Jerry Jones are very lucky. He's a marketing genius. That man knows how to sell the Cowboys because that's the only reason people still watch the Cowboys. That's the, those Cowboys. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason why they're on all these primetime games. Exactly. You know, Jerry, Jerry Jones knows what he's doing as an owner. As much as he's stubborn about the players and coaches he puts out there, that man knows how to run a football team. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's helped take the NFL from worth $500 million to be worth billions mm-hmm. and billions. But at the same time, I, I agree with you. I think the game is changing, and you can't have that same loyalty to players because players don't have the same loyalty to teams. Yeah, Let's be completely honest. Yeah. Not a single player in the league is saying to themselves that they want to stick with their franchise for the rest of their career. Those guys are always th- already thinking about till their next contract. Yeah, and a lot of them would say, "Yeah, I'd love to stay here, but 
if Miami's going to give me $20 million more dollars, I think I'm heading over to Miami. Love you guys, but you know how it is. Business. Yeah, because it's, it's a business. So and... why, why can't the owners do the same thing? And with that, I think Mike McCarthy is an issue for this team. Um, I don't think he has the potential to be a true Super Bowl winning coach. I think he did it because that team was stacked, that Packers team he had. Um, I don't think Dak Prescott wins you a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tony Pollard is a full workload back. Mm-hmm. And C.D. Lamb needs to just be put into the offense more, but he can't because Mike McCarthy can't call plays. It's it's a really scary thing for that offense, especially since their defense is playing so well. Let's talk about their most surprising. Their defensive line has looked fantastic this season and has single-handedly helped them stay in games. Yeah. Everyone's taking the next step. Parsons, Ziggy Zuwa. Uh, Durant Armstrong, Sam Williams came out. I don't know who he is, okay, but he makes okay. an American, a great play every game. Uh, they look the, fantastic. Karakay's right? on the Cowboys, right? No, he's on the Giants. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Whoops. But uh, they look fantastic. Mozzie Smith is getting in there. Uh, they look great. There was a couple games this year that it was like, that's the best defensive line I've ever seen. Like it's like the Giants or the Patriots or the Jets <laughs> against the Giants and the Patriots. Not hard to look I like know, the best. Still, it was, line it was like that, that Sunday night game where I thought, "Hey, Giants are gonna be good this year." Uh-huh. Build off last year, and it was like they couldn't even get a first down <laughs> the entire game. It was like there was twenty Cowboys out there. Um, speaking of Dallas destroying the Cowboys' offense or the Giants' offensive line, let's hop over on over to the Giants and talk about their most disappointing player, our old buddy Evan Neal. What? Why is this kid not good? Boom! Uh, no, he's got no technique. All these Alabama guys, I don't. I'm not drafting an Alabama offensive line. JC Latham's gonna be a top ten pick. I'm not picking him. Alabama gets the biggest, most physically talented offensive lineman in recruiting. They teach him no technique. This man, every time I see him, like he never has a good pad level. He's always leaning forward. That was his big thing in college. Leaning. He's. Hips are always like forward. Mm-hmm. He just looks like so unnatural. He doesn't move his feet. He, for his being as big as he is, he doesn't punch well. He just he has no technique. He's just a big, big guy. And that then he's not very tough mentally, as you saw him with the fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, that sent me off a rail, bro. I mean, what he said he's that bad. was ridiculous. Like I'm not gonna go into it too much, but like the fact that. He even had the audacity to say what he said, bro, is well, ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go into detail. He called all the fans fry cooks, basically. Like, if we really break it down, because they were calling him a fry cook. But at the same time, if you're going to go out on national television and get paid millions of dollars, you can't be soft. Yeah. You can't. Not, not, even, not even soft. You can't play, like, absolute garbage. He played when, but the day he made that comment, he played like garbage, man. It was horrible. I don't understand how you can play that bad in a primetime game at home and then call everyone hamburger flippers, bro. That is so uncalled for. You can be flipping hamburgers in a little bit. No, and did you see that video that went viral mm-hmm. with the New York radio guy? Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what he said. I'd rather have a hamburger flipper blocked for the, for us. Because at least they'd probably care. Yeah. He looks like he doesn't care. Exactly, they yes. Keep, and the Giants keep trotting him out there is the worst worst part. 
is that I understand you don't have anybody else. Trust me, I saw what happened to the one dude that was playing left tackle. Oh, oh, oh. I don't think he's on the team anymore. Yeah, he's relegated. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the... Justin Pugh came off the couch like he said in his Sunday night intro. Oh, he that was performed hilarious. all of them. Uh-huh. They had him uh, the year after they won their last Super Bowl. That's how long he's been around, and he looked better than all of them. Mm-hmm. Brett Nissen still doesn't want to play football. Glowinski, he was trying. He looked like he was trying. It's it's hard to play guard when you have no support on either yeah, side. Yeah, I mean you got Bridget Thing <laughs> at center, and then you got Evan Neal who like you know he thinks he's playing like Patty Cake. He's just trying to go get like you know how when we were kids the moms would give us orange slices at halftime. <laughs> he's just waiting for like some orange slices. He knows it's a kid's birthday. He's waiting for cupcakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's he's kind of hard with to the be. ring of icing around his yeah. mouth at the end of the day. And then you got Justin Pugh coming off. The bench at then I don't even know who their left tackle is. It was like that Isuzu guy mm-hmm. or whatever. It's, it's Bradford. Not, it's not whoever it was got three weeks 60 ago. 60 looks like a D3 offensive lineman. Like he's like skinny. Looks like Danny Jones out there. Mm-hmm. His name's like Brethnen or something. Bredis, not Bredison, but his last name also starts with a B. He's an African American fellow. And yeah, it's just bad. They're struggling. Um, let, let's talk about something good for this Giants team, even though there's not too much good to talk about. Um, Evan Neal's fellow first-round draft pick last year, Kayvon Thibodeau, has looked really good, good this season. Yeah. Um, how much upside is there for Kayvon Thibodeau? Massive amount. Yeah. He tremendous athletic ability, physical strength. We all saw it at Oregon. He looked like Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. He's got a potential to be you know a top five, top ten edge rusher. Yeah. The injury. The injury set him back, and the, <laughs> that's so funny. The injury set him back, but um, you know. He's proven, you know, he's looking good. He's looking really good. He, I feel like he has that chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot to prove, you know, as to why, you know, they drafted him. Because, like Sega said, he was a dog at Oregon. He was really, like, he was terrifying to watch. And I feel like if he can get back to that, you know, prime or even better, then that's good for him. Because if he keeps proving it, he'll get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously that's not on his mind right now because he's still under his rookie contract. But, like, you know, why not ball out and, you know, get that money? So, but, like, good for him, though. Like, mm-hmm. really, really good so far. Yeah. Um, let's move on over to the NFC South. Let's start off with the New Orleans Saints. Their most disappointing player so far has been Derek Carr in our eyes. Well, how good is Derek Carr now that he's not on the Raiders? People stopped giving him the benefit of the doubt. What is the true Derek Carr? It pains me because I've always been a Derek Carr fan. You got Chris Olave. You got Rashid Shaheed. You got Michael Thomas resurrected for the most part. You got Jawan Johnson, tight end. Jimmy Graham. <laughs> oh, man, Jimmy! <laughs> D-U-Y, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was. <laughs> that was like... Well, That's a whole different. Story. I won't say that on radio. He thought the beads were free. <laughs> okay, then we got uh, we got Kamara. You know, Taysom Hill, for whatever he's worth. And you still look bad, man. I mean, I've never seen someone just have just such empty yards before. Like in this game against the Texas, three hundred fifty-three yards, but like he scored thirteen points, dude. Like, what was he doing? Like, what 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 happened? Like, how do you get that many yards and only put up thirteen points? So they still ran the ball. They had like 400 plus yards of total offense, and they scored 13 points. Go to Olave, dude. He's he was awesome as a rookie. At this point, Andy Dalton might be better than Derek Carr. He we all saw be. that meme of 
Jameis Winston talking to Alvin Kamara, and Kamara's, like, giving him a look, like... I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, buddy, thanks uh-huh, for talking to me. Uh-huh, the, you know, the kind of look that you're giving when we're trying to be nice to a certain student group here at Elmhurst. <laughs> but, yeah. And, uh... It's just... I've never seen offense just be so... Like, have all the yards... All the they, talent. They always have a lot of plays because their defense goes three and out every time. Mm-hmm. And it's just empty. They have the talent. And... I don't know if it's a play calling, if it's their car, they're all getting used to it. You can't use that excuse anymore. It's six weeks in. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. They, this team is a very old team. They're a declining team, as we've seen their offensive line. They benched Penning going into this game. That last two plays because James Hurst got hurt. He's really a guard. They had to put him at tackle. And then Andrews Pete fell off the face of the earth. And McCoy and Ramchick are getting hurt. Caesar Ruiz always kind of stank, even though he was a first rounder. Mm-hmm. So that's just where we're at with the Saints. Yeah. It's good. They're like, they're like the twenty twenty Bears. I always, and I think a lot of people do this. I had always put Derek Carr and a guy like Ryan Tannehill in the Kirk Cousins tier. Yeah. That was always, you know, they were good enough to win games against bad teams, but weren't good enough to be really winning quarterbacks. This season. I have now seen that Kirk Cousins isn't a tier above those two guys. Those guys are in, like, Kirk Cousins minus. Kirk Cousins is fantastic. He's awesome. He's proven that it's not just the system. It's not just him. It's just Kirk Cousins is a baller, dude. That's the guy you want your daughter to bring home. He can really throw the ball. Right when you made that face, I knew what you were I was going to use that. If, if Bajan led the game-winning drive, I was going to use the what I call the Fox News dad character to describe him, but... I wanted to use it once, so there it is. <laughs> he had to bring it out. Um, but, yeah, I, what I've seen from Derek Carr this season is that he's not he's not capable of keeping this team close. Their defense is capable of keeping this team close. If it wasn't for their defense playing as well as they are, this team's getting blown out every single game because they can't do a single thing on offense. Their nope. best offensive player has been Tony Jones Jr. so far, and he's not even on the team anymore. I don't know where he's at. Oh, they, they put him on IR. Yeah. yeah. So – Basically, you know, it's 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 tough. I and like you were saying before, I want to support Derek Carr. I always gave I always him liked, the benefit yeah. of the doubt. He was and, always in a dumpster fire. He broke his leg. Bad stuff happened to him. He had John Gruden, <laughs> Dennis Allen, uh, and Rich Viscaccio uh, was his best head coach. Jack Del Rio was all right for a few years. Hey, he's I okay. I, I always like Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, and now going on to the New Orleans Saints with a team that has a solid offense. This team should be good. I think this team should easily be winning that. Yeah, bad at division. They got the Riddler at quarterback. <laughs> pa- Panthers are the worst team. I mean, Ritter, I mean, we might as well just go to the Yeah, Falcons. let's go right on over I mean, to the Falcons. The biggest disappointment is Desmond Ritter. I didn't, I didn't expect him to be, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but I didn't expect him to be Caleb Haney. I mean, this team is visibly frustrated. Like, Mac Hollins almost killed him when they were in London. <laughs> Arthur, almost, Arthur Smith almost killed him this last game. Arthur Smith almost killed himself in the last game. <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the, with the prototypical hands on the head. No! <laughs> Arthur Smith might be the funniest coach in the league. Yeah, just he's got that stupid expression. mustache. <laughs> he looks like a nerd. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they have the run game. They have three fantastic running backs. They have 
the most athletically gifted tight end we've seen in generations. They have an extremely athletic wide receiver. One, Drake that, London, 6'5", can move. You saw this last Mac game. Matt Collins looks like a defensive end out there. He's that big. <laughs> Scotty Miller, nice little white slot receiver that everyone loves. Uh, you know, Janu Smith is resurrecting his career. He was the original athletic tight end in Tennessee taking handoffs. I mean, it's offensive line solid. Perfect situation. The defense is solid. The defense has the ability to hold good offenses in check. And he just ain't it. Yeah, they put way too much faith in him, into him. I mean, at least he wins at home, but that's it. Mm-hmm. He's never lost a home game in an NFL recall. That's why I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's some games where he looks good, but it's like, okay, is it really good? Because you got all this around you, and you're, okay, 240 yards and two touchdowns or an interception and <laughs> one touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Very nice. It's not it. I mean, it's not the long-term answer. That's for sure. They could win games with him this year, but. It doesn't play well on the road. If this team is competing for a playoff spot, which there's high potential they that they are. They could still easily make the playoffs. They're the second best team in their division. Do you give somebody else a chance at quarterback? Is Taylor Heineke a better option than Desmond Ritter? I'd give him a shot. I'd give him a Taylor Hennessy is a beast. <laughs> Taylor. Good, good All one. his teammates love him. That's what they call him. Chase Young, that's like, if Chase Young gets married, that's his best man in his wedding. And he wins games. He has always leads crazy comebacks. He can run, too. He's a good quarterback. He's in a much better situation than he was in Washington. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he would, I think he'd be better than Ritter. Mm-hmm. I would. That's a guy at least like the fans will like. It's like, he's fun. It's Taylor Heineke, man. He's Heineke. He dove in the end zone against Tom Brady and almost won that the game with that 7-9 and nine losing record. Washington <laughs> Commanders, Dwayne Haskins, Ron Rivera team. He almost had his Tim Tebow run. You know? Yeah, like he's a fun QB to have. Mm-hmm. Fans can easily rally around him. He's and he's doing little Zinachinos on the sideline <laughs> as well. You gotta love that. And I I don't think Desmond Ritter per se is a guy that the fans can't root about. I think you know you look at the way the NFL has been posting. They him, don't he, they don't they don't mess with Ritter. They don't like Ritter. <laughs> I, I, I see it on Twitter every day. I haven't seen a single positive thing about Ritter. I, I don't think that's 100% fair. It's but. not. Not at all. <laughs> you Fourth-round pick from Cincinnati. What did you expect? Exactly. And, but, I th- again, I think he's not playing well, but he's not playing, like, the worst quarterback terrible. in the league. He's not playing terrible. He just turns All the yeah, time. Yeah. He sometimes plays, like, the worst quarterback in the yeah. league. But <laughs> Jacksonville, and then uh, this game he was quite awful. Yeah. Um, but I, do you see any opportunity for him to get a starting opportunity in the league ever again after this no, season? He's like a he's like a post Vikings Bridgewater or like a Jacoby Brissett. He'll fill in. He might be a bridge for about three games before you have your first round draft pick. That's still like you know we gotta we gotta do it because everyone else has done it. So we're you're gonna sit out three games, buddy. Like that. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's he can move a little bit. He plays well at times. He plays very well at times. He didn't turn the ball over all last year. So I don't know where these interceptions are coming. It's because people know what he is now. He's a solid quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's a quarterback where if you have him as number two, you're very happy. And say your quarterback goes down for three weeks, you're going to be like, okay, we can at least win two out of these next three games with him. That's what he is. I'm calling it now. He's going to get his Geno Smith run in five years. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get his Geno yeah, Smith when run. When Sean McVay <laughs> retires and comes back and <laughs> has some bad team. When 97-year-old Pete Carroll calls his number for Seattle. Yes. <laughs> My, my grandpa hates Pete Carroll. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's got beef with Pete Carroll. He hates Pete Carroll. 
can call them many words. <laughs> I don't know why he has this beef with Pico, but Papa does not mess around. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about our last NFC North or South team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The most surprising player by far. Anybody in the league can say this. Baker Mayfield. What a season so far Let for this kid. Him, Bake. <laughs> Josh, what what do you like about Baker Mayfield so far? He, we're not seeing the so much uh, cocky version that we saw in Cleveland. We're seeing a mature, uh, we're seeing a, a mature Baker Mayfield, right? Because he knows he has he has good offensive weapons. The O line is it's mid tier. It's pretty good. You know, it's not the best. But it gets the job done in order for him to throw the ball and get rid of it, right? But we're seeing a lot more mature. He's he's scanning the field. I mean, what did he say against the Vikings? Like, he knows what play's coming, whatever. He knows the signals. Like, mm -hmm. the guy's taking in a lot, you know? Um, we're, the maturity is showing, and it's it's proving everyone wrong to say – because everyone – when he was in Cleveland, everyone thought he was like, oh, he's another Johnny Manziel, you know? He's just trying – you know – He's just trying to have fun. He's just trying to let it go by, get the money, whatever, blah, 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 right? But I think now that it's a new change of scenery, I feel like we're seeing a, a man who really put his, you know, front foot forward and is really taking a good step into his career and really show what he can do and can accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think the biggest thing is that he's matured. I think you're 100% right. You see it on the field. He looks like more of a leader. I think yeah. those – First few years, there was points where he did look like a leader, but you, like you were saying, it kind of looked like a college kid coming in leading the team. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And then there was a point where he wasn't really doing well as a leader. He was sitting down. He had his head down a lot. He was, you know, mad at his receivers that were also extremely mad at him, and their dads were mad at him, and a whole Jesus. different situation. Um, but I think when a team like the – Rams and then a team like the Buccaneers decide to take a shot on you. Both those teams know what good quarterback play is like. Good organizations. They are good organizations, and they saw talent there. And I think if they see talent, that means the player can be successful. Mm -hmm. And so far between those two organizations, he's proven that he has the ability to be a successful quarterback in this league. And I think both those teams were the perfect situation for a guy like him. That's where Johnny Manziel needed to go. That's where Jamarcus Russell needed to yeah. go. Organizations like that. And I think Baker Mayfield, while not as egregiously stupid as Jamarcus Russell and Johnny Manziel, he needed a team to kind of put him into his place. And I think he's learning from that, and he's going to continue to rise as a quarterback in this league and can get back to a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Definitely. Which, I mean, nowadays the Pro Bowl isn't much, but it's still an honor and still puts you in a different category above a lot of other players yes. in the league. Yeah. Um, and I think that, again, this situation that he's in is just perfect for him. And I'm really I'm happy for a guy like Baker. I was super excited when he got drafted. I was always a fan of Baker. I love the energy he plays with. I'm glad he's taken that energy and put it more into a leadership role than an exciting player role. <clears throat> Let's move on over to the NFC West to finish it out here. we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Let's start off with the Los Angeles Rams and talk about Puka Nakua. What a start to a season for a kid that most football fans had never heard of before. Puka Nakua! <laughs> exactly. What makes this kid so special? I mean, his route running is fantastic. He's basically like a Cooper Cup 2.0. His route running is fantastic. He's very sure-handed. Obviously, he's not the most craziest athlete in the world, but it's good enough. 
Uh, he's just very even keel. He doesn't get too. I mean, I do love his little pregame thing where he does, he does cry and remembers his late father. I mean, it's just a guy that was just. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's very talented. I mean, very good route runner. He was he was beast at BYU. He's very productive, very very productive. He has a lot of experience. He's a little bit of an older rookie. He has very sure hands. We've seen a lot of crazy catches, and they're giving him the ball. They're putting him in a position to succeed. That's what Sean McVay does. He does it for all his players, unlike the Bears. <laughs> and he's just running away with it. You know, this is his opportunity. He's a West Coast kid. He like you know he's just where he is and. He's enjoying it. Kind of, kind of talking about what, what we said with Baker Mayfield is that this Rams team knows talent when they see talent. And I think they put him into a position, into that Cooper Cup position right away when Cooper Cup wasn't going to play, and they trusted him in that role. And I think if they trusted him, the fans trusted him, and it worked out. You know that he just he just plays with a constant motor. And we were talking about this when we were talking about the Raiders earlier, a guy like Max Crosby who just has that constant motor. And I see that same kind of motor in a guy like Puka Nakua, somebody who's always going to get back up and just line back up no matter what. And I think that's extremely important in for a team like this who is basically fighting their, for their last chance this season. This team is not going to be anywhere near as successful as it is so far this year and next year. It's probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league next year. They should have been one of the worst teams in the league this year. And they're competing. Yeah, They're still not great, but they're competing. They're putting up fights in games where they shouldn't have any business putting on fights. And a lot of it has to do with a guy like Puka Nakua. Looking at some of their more disappointing players, I wanted to talk about one guy, Cam Akers. He is no longer on this team. He started off this season with a lot of issues with the front office. Why didn't Cam Akers work out? He just couldn't get along with Sean McVay. That, and he wasn't the most... He, he's a guy that thinks he's better than what he is. I mean, he had multiple run-ins with the coaching staff. You know, he's not the best pass protector. Not the best running back. He just didn't work out. They like Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is a better fit for their system, so they went up with him. He couldn't handle it, so get out of here. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Do you see any future for Cam Akers in the league or have these past two games from Minnesota that he's played proven that the Rams were right? He's just uh he's at this point he's like a number two running back. It's okay. He'll bounce around from team to team every year, then play about three or four more years and he'll be done. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's not special, he's not a starting running back. They used him in the Super Bowl run and then that was it. So he's over with that. Definitely a guy who is a system of or a product of the system. Oh yeah, by far. And I think you're seeing that with Kyron Williams, who we had as an option for uh, our most surprising player this year for the Rams. Um, that you could basically put anybody into that position, and they'll succeed in some some way, some aspect of the game. Um, let's keep moving into this NFC West. I wanted to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Their most surprising player is my boy Josh Dobbs. Alopecia, baby! <laughs> Woo! Um, has Josh Jobs exceeded your expectations so far this season? Yeah, I mean he's okay. Um, no, yeah, he's he's had a good he has he's had a really good season so far, you know. And I mean, I really hope that when all of a sudden Calamari magically appears, I hope they don't take Dobbs out. I really like Dobbs. I think Dobbs has got something going for the team right now because I feel like everyone's with him right now. 
You know, I don't see the other people on this team like, when's Kyler coming back? You know, like, come on, yeah. in. like, w- w- let's go. You know, I don't think I don't think that's the case. And I I really I really like I really like that. You know, because it's like, it's the little things that matter and that keep a team going and motivated and together. So I really like Dobbs at quarterback right now for them. Honestly, like so far this season, I forgot Kyler Murray was a person. Josh Dobbs has made this team fun to watch. They're not a good football team. No. By any means. means. But I like watching this Cardinals team. Yeah. A lot better than I like watching a team like the Saints or a team like the Falcons, who are better football teams but are just so boring. This Cardinals team is fun. They lose fun. Yeah. Josh Dobbs look like looks like he's having fun out there. Yeah. Like to your point, Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown look like they're having fun out there. Yeah. Those are two guys who have a lot of potential in that receiver room that Kyler Murray may be able to do more with. But those guys won't seem as happy with Kyle Murray. Yeah. I completely agree with you. This team has potential, and you're seeing it right now. Give this offense to Kyle Murray, and this team's probably better. I don't think Josh Dobbs continues to be the starter once Kyle Murray comes back. No way. Hey, I'm calling him right now. Once Modern Warfare 3 drops, then they're going to release <laughs> Kyle Murray. I promise you. I promise you. Yeah, but I always like Josh Dobbs. He's a South Carolina fan. I watched a lot of him in Tennessee. I mean, he had 53 t- passing touchdowns. Do- dual three. I mean, 2,000 rushing yards in his college career, 7,000 yards passing. He's always he never got an opportunity to last year. Look, did kind of good for the terrible Titans. Now he's getting a full-blown opportunity, so I'm happy for him. Mm-hmm. And he's a very smart guy. He's a... Uh, rocket, literally rocket science major in college. He's a smart dude, and he's a pretty successful social media guy too, which is yeah. not always easy for. Sound the task, baby. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. I want to talk about one more team. It's possibly the best team in the league. Um, I want to talk about some of their disappointments though, and if they you think they'll have any impact later on in the season. We had Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, and Javon Kinlaw all three in our disappointing category, and this team is still extremely good. Do you think that can continue and they can still be a Super Bowl winner? Because right now I think I have them as my Super Bowl winner. Do you think they have that potential even with those three key players not playing to the top of their game? Yeah, I mean, Ken Lee was the first-round pick out of South Carolina. Uh, hasn't lived up to that. He's been injured. He's probably going to injure at some point this year. At this point, he's like their third or fourth D-tackle, so that's not going to be a big deal. Trent Williams is just a little banged up right now. Once he heals up, get a bye week, he'll be fine. Same old Trent Williams. Bosa, you know, he said, oh, I'm fine. Because he talks all slow and weird. Oh, I don't need the training camp. I'm fine. Yeah, he, you needed it, buddy. <laughs> he, yeah, he has no tackles. I mean, he only has like eight tackles so far this year. A couple sacks, but he, he'll get going. He's too good of a player mm-hmm. to not. Um, uh, so far this season, I've seen a lot of similarities between a guy like Aiden Hutchinson with a guy like Nick Bosa. And one thing I've noticed with Nick Bosa that happens a lot with Aiden Hutchinson, this is more negative for both of them, is that they don't get off blocks always the best. They get good pass rushes, but once they get blocked, they stay blocked. Yeah. Um, because of that, do you think a guy like Aiden Hutchinson with his um, a higher football IQ and higher football instinct, do you think he has a higher ceiling than Nick Bosa, even though Nick Bosa's a defensive I think, player? I, I, think I, I think he does. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he's not too much younger, but – He's young enough to understand that he can actually, like, how you're saying, if Nick Bosa will probably just stand there and stay blocked, but Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson will make a play. You know, he's long. He's He can he's get taller, vertical. Longer. Yeah. He's, Nick Bosa's probably stronger than him, not going to lie. But, like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson can still have – he has that speed and he has the longer arms, and that should be, tell him everything from there, you know. And I think that Hutchinson's ceiling is way higher 
than Bosa's right now. And I mean, I feel like right now Bosa's just kind of cruising. And I feel like if he's just okay with how he's playing, I feel like we're going to see a decline. Um, and we're going to see everyone else on the defense kind of have to step up and pick up his slack. And uh, that's what I'm kind of feeling right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in again to the Blue Jay Boy Show. If you missed any part of the show, be sure to tune in on Spotify. Later, we will be posting this on there right after the show. If you guys uh, want to sign up for the food battle next week, I will be posting something tomorrow on our Instagram on there, comment which uh, food you think is going to win. Tag three of your friends and put the post on your story, and you will have a chance to win $20, just like our boy JP did today. Shout out, JP. Yeah! Congratulations for finally winning a Long food Long time battle. coming, baby. It took a while, but it's, it's well-deserved. Well-deserved. All right, folks. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.